Hello and welcome to the Where We Left Off podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gall, here with my co-host, Tommy Hanlon. The two of us have been working together for more than 10 years in the music industry, from managing a DIY venue to traveling the Midwest throwing parties. We've met some pretty interesting people along the way. This podcast is dedicated to conversations with artists and road dogs we have formed friendships with and see time and time again. We pick up where we left off. Man, it's been actually uh, maybe a little too long since we've had our last episode. So I, I apologize for the uh, inconsistent release schedule here. But Tommy, a w- less than a week, we're going to be face-to-face doing a podcast together. I'm so excited. I know, man. That I'm is I'm truly mind-blowing. It's It will have been more than a year. We've already said that. It's definitely been more than a year since we've been like in the same room, yeah. which is uncommon for us yeah Definitely super uncommon. uncommon we're gonna we're gonna bring on our good friend mark Liebowitz of one percent productions in omaha next week to talk about some talk about shows coming back and talk about his great legacy in omaha so we're gonna get together for that episode in person and we're gonna film it at the waiting room it's gonna be really good so be on the lookout for it next week but uh man it's gonna be great to see you again i'm really i'm really really excited yeah dude totally stoked hell yeah so yeah. I, I guess let's get into the episode for today yeah, man, I'll I'll take the reins on this one, I guess, since it's someone I know more. Uh, we're right. joined by a, a good friend of mine and somebody from one of the last tours that Grandson actually did, which is, again, crazy to say out loud because it's now been since like November of 2019 that that ended or October, whenever it ended. Crazy. Uh, but Mike Wislinko is joining us uh, and hopefully I didn't butcher that also known as Metal Mike for most people on the road. Um, I met Mike when he was out with Nothing Nowhere as their tour manager slash guitar tech slash anything and everything else that he had to do on that tour. Um, But since then, he's taken over, I believe, management of Nothing Nowhere and a few other bands, if I'm not mistaken, which is uh, an interesting thing to take the reins of right before a pandemic, um, to say the least. But he also plays in a band, uh, Never Ending Game, which is currently signed to Triple B Records. So let's welcome Mike to the show. How have you been, man? Hi, Mike. Hey, I'm better than ever. Every touring's coming back. I'm super excited. And also, I'm a day-to-day manager. My boss is probably going to listen to this and be like, I'm the manager. I meant to say day-to-day. <laughs> I, I like had it in there even. I was what like, is fuck? it day-to-day? He's like, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the main guy. Don't get it twisted, fool. Dude, yeah, good news out of the for the touring world today that people can gather indoors. You know, CDC's yeah, really, uh, CDC's really ro- throwing some throwing some change ups here. I'm really excited to knock these, man. It's gonna be. I'm so excited. Everything's back. Like, I just like yeah. last couple of days, like getting back to work and like seeing like all the stuff like rolling in. It's like, it's fucking crazy. Are you like advancing tours now, or are you like? Not yet. No, okay. But okay. we have like plenty planned for like the fall and then you know next year so we're starting to get you know our bandwagons reserved and all this stuff but i haven't started advancing yet but it does seem like every day there is more news of it's like getting closer and like yeah that thing that they announced today it's like oh my god like it's actually gonna happen yeah that's crazy thanks man so since we spoke last, you were out in the Detroit area, if I'm not mistaken, and you moved yep. to uh, to L.A. So how are you transitioning out to coast life from the Midwest? I mean, I can't really I haven't really like got to experience it. Like I moved from Detroit to L.A. for work in the middle of COVID. I moved in like June or July of last year and then it was like still quarantine. So like, I mean, bars here are slowly starting to open, but like me and my girlfriend don't really go out because we're still, you know, 
trying to be as safe as we can. We're both vaccinated, but like, you know, we have people over here, but I still haven't got to like experience LA. I haven't got to like right. you know, go out and, you know, just experiencing the rent really is all. Just yeah, I'm literally just rent. experiencing paying more to do exactly what I was doing. Back <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll get to experience more of those things soon. And as things like we just said, open back up, uh, it's a little more fun to be out on the coast. Um, so let's, uh, jump back a little bit here though. I, I feel like, you know, we were on the road for months together, but I don't really know much about your younger years. So let's learn a little bit about Mike before we dive into what you're doing currently. So let's fill in some of the gaps. Um, I know you're from the Detroit kind of Flint, smaller town near their area. Uh, is it Lapier? If I remember Lapier. Lapier. Yeah, it's like, it's like 20 to 30 minutes east of Flint. It's like where I grew up. It's like in the sticks, like a bunch of hicks out there that went to school with like kids. That, like, yeah, pull. baby. Yeah, it's relatable Back to their trucks in a parking lot and they pull each other across. So like <laughs> grew up in that. There was, you know, it was wild and then moved closer to Detroit. Like right. It was like probably two or three years after I graduated high school. And that's when I started like really getting into like going to shows and getting into the scene and stuff. So it was like after high school when you really got into the the music scene, you weren't like going to shows in your small town or anything like that. I mean, I was, our hometown had like a metalcore scene when it was like popping off back in like the early 2000s, you know, like the Black Dahlia murder was huge from Detroit and like bands like that. Were I didn't really realize cool. they were from Detroit. Oh, yeah. So when did you actually start like playing in bands and shit? Um, I mean, I played in bands in high school, but like they didn't really do anything like we just kind of like played around our hometown. Like occasionally we would go to shows in Detroit, but like Detroit was like, you know, an hour South and it was kind of just like a small community. Like we never really started. I didn't really start like traveling to Detroit for like local shows until, yeah, I was probably like, uh, like 20, 19, 20, like right after I graduated is when I started, you know, going down to shows there. Did you go to school in Detroit when you moved over there? No, so I went to college in Lapeer for like a semester before I was just like, this ain't for me. I'm dropping, I'm done with college. Cause like my parents were all like, go to high school, go to college, get a job, like, you know that. And that's like how my brother did it. And I was just like, I went and I was like, I had already like had my hand tattooed and stuff in college. Cause I went so late. I, I like graduated high school and then I worked in a shop for like three years and I was like, this ain't for me. I'm going to yeah. go to college and try this again. But by the, so I felt like Billy Madison and with all these like high school kids and a community college that I was just like, I still think I want to try giving music a shot. And I started playing in a band, this hardcore band that we formed from up here called Spitback. And we used to play shows in Detroit all the time. And that was kind of like my entry into like the hardcore world and how I met like a lot of my friends and stuff was playing shows down there with this band Spitback. And then I started to like get to know more people and I started to play in more bands. I played in this band called uh, Breaking Wheel that still did stuff up until like probably two years ago. And I just kind of started to meet everybody. I would fill in for tours, especially in those like when I was younger, the hardcore tours that would just like go around and fill in. There was one band that I used to fill in for all the time called The Tain from Grand Rapids, who are like some of my best friends. And Will, their guitar player, had asked me to join Neverending Game probably four or five. I don't even know how long it's been now, but he asked me to join and me and him just kind of like, he already had it with the other guys asked me to be in the band. I was like, yeah, let's get it. And then it's history ever since. So the train was already rolling when you joined the band. Yeah. I mean, they had like wrote like a couple songs. They probably had like three songs written and then I came in. To... Gotcha. So just oh. like the skeleton was there and you came in and 
yeah meddled it up a little bit <laughs> yeah definitely messed threw, it up. threw your thing into the mix <laughs> so you know you guys are signed to triple b how did you guys come to land that as a band from from michigan um so our vocalist and our bass player played in a band called freedom from detroit and i the guitar player from freedom nick i lived with him for a while in sterling heights which is like a suburb outside of detroit so me and him were really close and like Freedom would always practice at the house, got to meet everyone there. And then Freedom had already been signed to Triple B. So they like had a connection with Sam who runs it. So pretty much once we started the band, Mikey, our vocalist was just like, sent him the demo and he was like, oh yeah, I'll put this out. So. Yo, Triple, shout out Triple B Records, man. They hold some pretty fucking awesome names in hardcore. Is Tear still signed to that label? I, I. Formerly, I mean, I know they've been on that label before, but like. I know that I know that Fuming Mouse on that label. Shout out them, dude. They're fucking sick. That band is so fucking good. I know Brace War was part of Triple B at some point too. If I'm if I'm not like mistaken, it's a so very sto- yeah, dude. It's such a story label, man. Yeah. That's like <clears throat> they. I think like growing up, they had like some of the best. Like Terror, you know, like saying like that. That says it all. Terror. Like <laughs> great fucking record label. How do you how do you like being signed to that record label? Is it, is it, has it been a pretty good experience for you guys and like dealing with them and you know, the hard, you know, hardcore labels, good hardcore labels, I feel like are so hard to come by, but I feel like I've never heard anything bad about triple B. And like, I assume your experience has been nothing but great. Oh yeah. I mean, I love Sam. He's great. We get along. Everyone in the band gets along with him so well. And like, he's just down to do whatever we, we could tell him like, we're going to do seven flexies. We're going to release our whole record as flexies. And he'd be like, all right, let's do it. Like, he's just so down to do like whatever we want. And like, especially before all my other bands, like no one had anything comparable to the success that like never any game has had. So like when we, I can't remember what it was like the first festival. I can't remember if it was maybe sounded fury. Um, But like our reaction to that when we played was just, insane and then we did like some shows in philly we did like a run of shows with no warning and those were all crazy so like of course covid came right it was like we put out the record we've been touring we're not really touring but just like playing shows we can't really tour because everyone's got like full-time jobs but um you guys did you you say you did some shows with no warning is that what you said yeah we did a we did like four east coast shows we did like new york philly uh boston and there was one other, but yeah, it was, it was a blast. Those guys were yeah. awesome. For those of you who don't know out there, maybe don't listen to hardcore. I mean, great Toronto hardcore band. You know, they've been kicking since like nine, like the or like the mid nineties. Like really, really great band. So that that sounds fucking awesome, dude. That sucks. Yeah, dude. It, it seems like everybody we have on the podcast, everybody was like. It seems like everything was so fucking good for everybody right before the like right before the pandemic hit. Like yours is just another fucking story to add to the book, man. Like oh, I, man. I guarantee we could go back through all these all these episodes that we've done so far and pick out a moment where everybody's like, "Yeah, dude, shit was at like shit was peaking for us," you know. Down. Like, <laughs> do you find that kind of hard to like uh, to stomach sometimes when you think about it over the last like year? Like I went back and listened to like I don't do this often, but like I, it showed up like on my YouTube today, like this conversation I had with somebody and he posted on YouTube like a year ago, like right when the pandemic was like starting out. I like reflected on it and like I think as this has all gone on, I've been able to like stomach it a little bit more. But do you find yourself looking back at some of this and being like, shit, man, like what if we had just like kept going? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there was so many, like, I don't know, like I'm sure I can say it, but like never any game was supposed to go to Japan in June, right before COVID happened. So like 
I had like back to back tours leading up to that. And then it was like, I was home for a couple weeks and this is when I was still in Detroit. And then we were supposed to go to Japan and we were there for like six, five or six days. And we were playing like four shows and like they were paying to fly us out and stuff. And I was like so excited because I've never been to Japan. And then COVID just no, no, no to everything. Just every tour is dropping. I'm just like at home. And I just like stayed with my parents and was just living with them for like four months. It felt like. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, feel that game. <laughs> literally, literally in my Tommy's parents' backdrop is like his dad's. Like, is that your wait? Is that your room? This, this is my little workshop. Uh, this okay, is where I do leather. This there, is yeah. my sewing machine. I got like, oh yeah, it's a sweet setup in in the basement of my parents' house. Um, but anyway, yeah, like, like Austin was saying, like you were saying, we had it in our notes right here that you just played Sound and Fury. Your your debut album uh, just came out. Obviously, you just said Japan was put on hold, um, but you guys are, are you still, you know, still in contact, still planning on getting back to it whenever things gear back up? Oh, yeah, we were just I was in Chicago like three weeks ago recording. So Hell yeah, it, man. It's like, I don't know if like, anything, but like there's new stuff on the horizon for Never Any Game. So Dude, I'm, I'm fucking stoked for it. it. Yeah, the the LP like I sent it to Austin the second I heard it, I was like, Austin, you got to check this out. Like, it is the heaviest thing I've heard all year. It was, I I love jamming it. Like, I just put new speakers on my bagger. First fucking thing I jam, dude. Little playlist of hardcore jams. You're on there. It's my gym jams. Dude, what about in, what about what about in, like in terms of shows? Do you guys like have anything on the books like beyond? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like everybody's like kind of aiming for like August right now. You know, like, do you guys have anything on the books? As far as never ending game, I don't think we have anything on the books as of now, but like, we're also one of those bands, like I said earlier, like everyone works full time. So we're just kind of like one of those bands that will yeah. play festivals or like do short little runs. But like, I would never expect us to do, you know, like a two week, three week US tour. It would just be like where we can find the time to like do a weekend jam or something like that. Dude, yeah, I I was I, I couldn't for the life of me remember who played that Sound and Fury Fest like in 2019. I looked it up. Didn't they have Hart play that? Dude, that have Hart was, was on that. Yeah, yeah, that was a great Christ, year. Christ, dude. Did come dude, the the videos from that. I'm like, it's all coming back to me now. Dude, the videos from that were crazy. That's yeah. I I think I remember watching a video from you guys that day too. Fucking dude, that's that's a that's so fun, dude. Like you know touring in itself is kind of exhausting so like doing flyouts and shit like this with your friends like it's I bet oh, it's, it it's so it. much it's so much more fun to do it you know yeah like uh, a I'm much like, better yeah. hang yeah especially Dude's, like when you're doing back-to-back like because when you're like when i'm on the road with like tour managing bands and stuff it's work it's not like people think you know you're out having a blast like no you're working like yeah, i'm waking right. up like i'm staying up late sending reports like it's a yeah. job it's not yeah. just like oh you're, you get to tour all the time but like, like yeah it, i might get to hang around music all day but uh i'm still working slammed <laughs> all day doing yeah. something yeah but having like never any game definitely helps like you know i'm i can think about something like oh we get to go play a show and then in like yeah. when it's never any game i don't have to be like the one in charge i can like sit yeah. back and like crack some beers in the green room and like relax <laughs> Well, that's a perfect transition, man. Let's talk about uh, being the one in charge. Like I said in the intro, we met on the Grandson Nothing Nowhere tour at the end of 2019. Uh, you were wearing a lot of hats on that tour, uh, <laughs> much much like many of us have. Um, TM, backline tech, stage manager probably you could say. I'm sure many more things you're, you had your hand in. 
Um, and you're actually like, like we said, the first TM back of house tech we've had on this show. So congrats for that. And I'm excited to, to share more of this side of the things with the, the listeners that we have, because it's a, it's a monumental moment in time here, I think is what Tommy's trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Like we never, we never get a spotlight. Let's be real. Um, but these aren't always the roles people get to hear about or even know exist. So I'm excited to kind of dive into it and, you know just talk about uh, what it means to be on tour and behind the scenes and not get any credit. So now's your moment. <laughs> Yo, so dude, I want to start this off by asking, you know, what was the first tour you ever did? I mean, obviously <clears throat> you had to start somewhere. Was it, was your first tour with a band or were you working on your first tour? What was that? Like? Oh no, I was like touring in like hardcore and metal yeah. bands for like three or four years before I got into tour managing and yeah. like, actually working i think my first tour i ever did was like five days with my old band spitback and it was like all a bunch of middle of nowhere like michigan indiana illinois and it was probably like 2000 oh man that was probably like seven or eight years ago maybe even later than that 2013 14 yeah but i mean when it happened it was awesome like i remember being so excited to like you know, like growing up playing in bands and like seeing bands going to where it's like what you dream of doing when you finally get to like sit in a van with like your friends and you don't have to go to work the next day and just play a show. It's like the sickest thing ever. Yeah, yeah dude. dude. That yeah. bag of chips never tasted so fucking good as those first oh, tours. <laughs> so, well, the fast forward then, what what was your first, you know, your first big experience managing something on the road? My first tour that I ever did that was like actually management was with Matt Karakis on a oh, tour nice. with Anthony Green. Dude, hell yeah. Oh, nice. When he was dude, doing his, his solo stuff. Dude, his solo shit his slaps, solo stuff. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It was right Super when he good. started doing his solo stuff because all the guys in Citizen like were also like part of the hardcore scene in Detroit. So yeah. I had met them through like just going to shows and we hit it off. Matt used to actually record my band spit back and like breaking wheel back in the day. So like we were really close and it was his first, like, I think it was his first tour as like for solo that he was going out with Anthony green. And like, obviously there wasn't a lot of money in the budget to have a tour manager come out. So he was just like, it was always something I kind of wanted to get into because I wasn't doing anything else. I was working at a grocery store and he was just like, you know, you want to be my tour manager? Like I I can give you like $300 a week and like per DMs. And I was like, Oh, I'm so, I remember like, like comment. Be a tour manager, like I'm doing it big. Yes, that's how it all started, dude. That's that's when you know, dude. When you get 300 bucks a week, (laughs) yeah. Quit my grocery store job, man, dude. We've all had we've all had that moment though, you know, like oh oh, yes, yeah. (laughs) Time and time again, I've had that moment of just like I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. I need my job back. It's more like fuck the money, (laughs) fuck the money, dude. It's more about like a it's like a liberating feeling, like getting that offer and like just like I'm. Like I'm fucking gone. Oh, like no I mean, matter what it is, you know. You could have like, told me I'm getting like a hundred dollars a week, and yeah. I would have been like, I'm in. Like I've yeah. always wanted to do this. Like, it's like yeah, I'll, I'll make I'll make it work. <laughs> Dude, exactly. I would I would say yes again to that hundred dollars a week call. Hopefully, no one from grandsons listening to this, but I would totally <laughs> like right now. I'd be like, you start lowballing yeah, Tommy, let's, dude. Let's fucking go, dude. Tommy, I'm in. By the end of this episode, Tommy's gonna be making three hundred dollars a week. <laughs> hopefully hopefully more (laughs) Uh, well okay so detail a little bit more who else have you uh who else have you managed for on the road um so i started with matt caracas and then it moved into citizen and then from citizen it moved into 
like all these artists from the company, it used to be called Synergy. Now it's called Alternate Side, who I day to day for. But um, my boss, Avange, I don't know if, if any of you guys have ever met Avange at any of the shows or anything. Yeah. Um, she was the one that like got me started with everything. When Matt gave me the offer, he like put me in contact with her and I'll literally never forget it. It was Warp Tour, like the first or second year that Citizen played. And like, it was right after Matt had given me the like, that I could be his tour manager. And I like had this notepad with all the dates and how far the drives were going to be and where we would stay and all of this. And I had like this manila folder, like ready. I was like, I'm going to present it. Like I'm going to show her that I'm going to be a good TM because I wanted to do it so bad. And like the day that that happened, this kid that I brought with me, he like stage dove during warp tour. And like, that's a no, no at warp tour. Yeah. So like, because he did that, the, band that like not citizen i think it was knuckle puck like had him on their guest list because it was like detroit it was the hometown show the next day was chicago which is knuckle puck's hometown show they were like we'll swap it out like you can have our guest list for detroit you can have theirs so like knuckle puck was about to like get lose like their headline slot and oh a bunch God. at that time was also like managing knuckle puck and so she was just like running around like about to kill absolutely anybody and i remember just like <laughs> holding onto this folder like this like all right, I'm just not even saying anything to her. And then, like, the day went on, and we were, like, hanging out in Citizen's Bandwagon, and I was just, like, drinking beers, and I think I was, like, doing shots, just, like, hanging out. And I remember she just, like, thought I sucked. She was just, like, I hate this guy. Like, who the hell is this guy in my bandwagon drinking all their booze? Like, this is the guy you're going to bring on tour? And now I work for her and i've worked for her ever since <laughs> we're we're well, big we're big fans of citizen on this podcast dude i am a i'm like a citizen fucking like mega fan we both yeah, i was I, gonna we say them we probably saw was, you at some of those warp tour citizen dates like yeah I, I definitely saw citizen twice on on warp tour i feel like we saw we saw a citizen together on warp tour didn't we that one year yeah dude i, I still have the tie-dye youth shirt from that i still have one. i have that record it's yeah. sitting right there i got youth like the tour like the yep. war tour variant, like super dope. Yeah, dude, I've always really loved that fucking band, man. Like, I, I we booked them once, like I think in 2018, and I had like a really, really hard time not <laughs> like fanboying yeah, a little get, bit. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't get, I don't get, I try not to get too fanboy like ever because it's like you know, you know, you don't want to fucking do that when you're like, like book a show and like they show up and the promoter is punishing you. That's like <laughs> super fucking weird. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> but uh, yeah, I had like my moment at like after the show, they were all sitting there. Like went up to Matt, I was like, hey man. It's a really good fucking show. Thanks for thanks for coming. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I usually don't do that. I usually just leave. <laughs> yeah, I love those guys. I've been friends with them for so damn long, and like now that because I day to day manage Citizen now too. Like Matt, oh, nice. Citizen, Lund, well, yo, congrats nothing. on the new record then, because I also have that sitting right there. It's a fucking banger of a record, and I know it's yeah. it's you know day to day like you know you're. You probably don't do all like a whole lot with like the record release, but like it's still like a huge thing for the camp. So congratulations. Well, thank you. And yes, it, it it's great. I think it's their best record yet, and I think a lot of the people are. It's a, like they can't do any wrong. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So walk us through a day in the life of a tour manager. You know, for some of those listening that may not know the function of this role and some of the duties that come along with it. You know, like talk about let's just start at the beginning, you know, like before you go out on a tour, you're advancing. So what, uh, what is that to you? What, what's that look like? Well, I have a template that I've used for advancing that Ben Russin from title fight actually sent to me years and years ago. 
that I've like made my own because it was for like either a title fight tour or a citizen tour when he was tour managing them and it had like band and stuff. But now I've had to make it into like bus bandwagon and all this stuff. Dude, he, like, he totally did one of the citizen that that citizen tour that I was talking about. It was like a double uh, fanboy moment because title fights like my <laughs> other oh, fucking yeah, favorite. Dude, he was, so uh, I was like I like I was settling with him. I was like, yo, you look really familiar. I'm sorry to derail <laughs> this, but I, I thought it was so funny. I was like, holy shit, like you're that like you're fuck title fight like oh my god <laughs> i felt so if i like it was so embarrassing that whole time i was just like oh my god never again sorry mike continue with your story i had to throw that out there just punish but, myself for a second. So i just have this like advanced you know this template and then you know you get the contracts and you get all the promoters for the shows and you just i send out a massive well each one is separate but i'll send out a separate email to every single promoter and they all get it and just i usually do it in just like one big wave i'll like have them all set as drafts and kind of edit them because there's little things like uh catering or stuff that you got to do but then i'll just kind of like wait and then once every single one is good to go they just sit in my drafts and then just bang 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 just send 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 and then i like put my phone on do not disturb and just don't check it for the next day because everyone starts sending them back you're getting them coming in from all over i just searched my email for your name and i have two advances that i've done with you yeah yours are your advances are pretty long but that's good like that's a good thing you know you don't want to be yeah, like you want information to sneak up on you yeah. you want everything advanced like you want you don't want to get there and be like oh we don't have a green room oh we don't have a green room you know yeah yeah exactly you also don't want to have to send like a million emails back and forth because if you have to do that for one show there's exactly. 27 other shows so it's like if you give them literally everything you can think of and they don't have to ask a question. You did your job perfectly, you know. Like, dude, I just I need to hire a fucking intern to fill out my advances for me because I hate doing it. <laughs> and like the more you tour, there's more like little things that you realize that you got to add. Like, oh, what time do we have to? Be like, can our generator be running? Can we? Yeah. What time do we have to be gone by? Like, leave the venue. Like those things, do you, you have know. Shore power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's like, do you okay, have power gotta... at all? Yeah. <laughs> do you even have parking? <laughs> Oh, yeah. We've all had those nightmares where they're just like street parking and it's like a Friday in like Washington, D.C. And you're like, dude, cool, na- like, dude, we name, are parking near the venue. Name drop your worst parking situation that you've ever had on tour. Oh, yeah. what is it called? Um, you just said, I'm pretty sure we we had one in like D.C. or Boston where it was like cobblestone half a mile push. Songbird in, Songbird in Washington, D.C., they have like one parking spot but it's like if you have a trailer you have to like take your trailer off you have to like back it into this narrow spot detach your trailer and then go park your van it's like a super busy area so you kind of just like gotta find a way like a spot to park but like the people there are nice and it's like i like the shows there they're always great but the parking like every time i see it i'm just like that just gives me anxiety hearing that yeah. yeah, we're lucky in the Midwest that we have just like an abundance of space usually and like can just be like, yeah, park the fucking semi over there or whatever. Oh, like, it doesn't, it's always it doesn't nice matter. when you're advancing those shows like in the Midwest where they're just like park wherever like and it's, you'll be like on a bandwagon a trailer. It's like I got like 55 feet or something of like then they're just like, yeah, fit it there. Like what? Just they're like, over. you could have a thousand brother. It don't matter. Load it up. Dude. Yeah. It, uh, All right. So we're advanced. We we have our we know what's coming. Now what? Are you getting yeah. band members to where Repro. they need to be? Then you know, getting everyone's flight well, especially now with like nothing nowhere, because I'm his day to day and his tour manager and his guitar tech, like 
getting everybody's flights, getting booking the pre-pro spot, making sure everyone's there on time, like having knowing how many days we need, like getting the lights ordered, making sure the lights get there, the lights are delivered, making sure they run at pre-pro, like pretty much the whole shebang, getting all the guitars tuned up, all the strings changed. Bro, it sounds like you need a new uh, guitar tech. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you need to take a job off your shoulders. Can we I do that a hundred dollars a week that we were just talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yes, yo, it's happening. Yo, do you find like your background in like hardcore and metal music, like touring and like kind of doing things like a DIY style, like kind of implores you to like wear more hats when you're out on the road? Yeah, I would think so. And it's also like crazy how many people, especially when you're doing like club runs and like shows, you know, that like we would do like with nothing nowhere, like so many of the people that I'm settling with or like promoters that I'm talking to are like old hardcore dudes. Like there's yeah. so many like I'm wearing like a negative approach hat. Yeah. And someone's just right. like, I oh, love that band. And like there's so many promoter or like, uh, like my day-to-day contacts and stuff that I've just like become friends with on tours. Yeah. It's just nice now, you know, when you pull up to a show and it's like, oh, it's going to be Austin. Like I can get there and Debbie up. Like what's good. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, feel that dude. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> when, especially when you've been around long enough, you kind of know every city you go to, you're going to have like one, <laughs> you're going to have like one person that, you know, especially if you play exactly. the same venue, like every time you go, which, isn't always the case, you know, as you, as your band grows or you know, switch, mm-hmm. switch bands you're working for, you know, might you might encounter some other people, but yeah, dude, I always find that really comforting, like being able to go to like all the cities that we go to and like having that one person, it's like, yo, I need, yo, I feel like shit. Can you bring me like a bunch of NyQuil? <laughs> like, I, need, I, need to, like, I need to sleep when I get back tonight. Yeah. yeah dude, when you, the... when you send the advances out and then you see who responds, it's like, yes, he's got the show. Like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Do you how, how many months out of the year, like pre-pandemic, do you think you were touring? I mean, were you like a like a ten month kind of guy? Uh, I mean, I did so. I used to do so many like back to back to back, and I don't even remember. Like now, I only really do nothing nowhere because I'm in the office and I'm a day to day. I really don't have the time, and my boss would not let me. Even though sometimes I'm like, I mean, I'll do it because I like the extra money, but. I only do nothing nowhere, but when I was just like full TM, it was like, I would just say yes to everything. I remember like nothing nowhere did a run with like fallout boy and that ended. They dropped me off in El Paso. I slept on the floor in the airport, flew to New York, got a van, started a tour with that little Zan. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I would just do so many, just like back to back to back, just flying. Like I would, I wouldn't be home for, you know, like three months it would seem like. And then I would just, you know, at least it was nice because I was living in Detroit. My rent was like 300 bucks a month, so it didn't matter. Stack like, cash. That's the best part of like touring when you live in the Midwest is you can just be like, oh, my like per diem will probably cover whatever expenses I have back home. And uh-huh. the rest is pocket money. Exactly. Fuck. <laughs> well, all right. So we've got the band in wherever they're going. We're advanced. Now what? We're on tour, I guess, at the, or rehearsals probably, but let's just skip ahead to the, the, yeah. the fun stuff. We're on tour. What what are you doing on a day on tour as a tour manager? Usually I'm I'm usually the first one up. I get up, we're already at the venue. Because that's another thing that people don't realize is like when you tour, you'd be like, oh, you must see everything. Like you don't see anything. You that's wake up day. in a concrete jungle like nine, every day pretty much. You're just in an area that looks the exact same as the other place and you're there all day. You don't really get to, you know, go out and do things, but go in, 
see what's up with the day the you know the day guy that you're gonna be like settling with say what's up when we can start can we start loading in early can we where's the power at where's the green room know where everything's at then go back to the wagon everyone's starting to like get up tell them where everything is start unloading you know get the get the show rolling so you just said an important part that I think is is to highlight. Uh, the tour manager is like the information hub. Like you go in early, you figure out where everything is at every day. Because every, every venue is like the same but different. Every venue has like the same stuff, but it's all in a different place. And right. half the time I'm lost. I love Nolan for his little arrows. Like I'd be <laughs> fucking lost without my arrows. Like the yeah. day sheets, goddamn. The information hub is how I see the tour manager always. Pretty and, much, yeah. That's, yeah. I'm still glad I have like my portable printer because yeah you're printing off day sheets you're sticking them on every wall everywhere like arrows to like green room or like this is this green room just like yeah you're labeling everything yeah and you're you're like the scheduler as well you're making sure everything's running on time you're making sure that people know when and where they need to be um so yeah let's uh let's run through to sound check we're 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 getting the band on stage or whatever let's First of all, it's finding the band, making sure that they're on the (laughs) bus because, you know, musicians are another breed. They you'll be like, all right, we got sound check at two. And at one o'clock, they decide it's a good time to go to some shops to do some, you know, browsing. I'll be back back in two hours. (laughs) Exactly. So it's really just making sure they're there. Get the sound check done. Usually, you know, if it's the headliner, you know, you got the longer sound check. If you're not the headliner, then, you know, you got a allotted time for how long. So it's like, you better be here. We got 30 minutes. Let's let's go. Let's make sure there's no issues and we're good to go. And then dead time. What are you doing during like leading up to showtime? There's that like sweet spot of I usually take a nap between sound check and showtime. What are you doing? I'm never napping. I'm, I feel like there's always something like. I'm a I'm a always pacing back and forth. I'll like yeah. go to the bandwagon, like I'll go back to the green room, like just making sure everyone's good, making sure everything's you know running. It is nice when it's like when you're a support when it's a support tour because once you're done, you load up the van, you're there for the rest of the night, just like chilling. I can get my accounting done, all my nighttime stuff. But when you're the headliner and I'm the TM, like I'm also making sure whoever's on the stage is getting done at the right time especially if like some of the other artists don't have a tour manager and I'm essentially in charge of everything. Like they got to be off at this time. This band's got to be on at this time. Just like making sure everything's going as planned. Yeah. Which is God damn it, man. Like it's, it's giving me such like a, a, like an adrenaline boost right now. Just talking about this, man, I'm so ready for shows to be back. I know. I just mostly wanted you to talk about going through shows so I could picture it all. I'm just like, yeah, we're we're (laughs) leading up. It's showtime. Guys. Amazing. 30 seconds to curtain <laughs> now what what would you say ah. is like what do you what do you think your most important job during like after doors open what do you think is like your most important like duty to your artists that you're working for like until they go on stage Ooh, i was gonna say making sure i was gonna say after they get off stage making sure they get the right amount of money and i don't have to like yeah someone to make sure i'm getting the right amount of money for them but I think just like making sure they're good, like especially with nothing nowhere. Like I always want Joe to like, you know, I, I don't want to be like in a bad mood, like whatever he wants. Like I just want to make sure our artists, you know, get exactly what they need. Like, yeah. and I mean, everyone that I work with, like I've never, I mean, no one's like super high maintenance. Like Joe is super laid back, super chill. He's easy citizen, Matt, like everyone. And also I'm like good friends with all of them at this point. Like I, even if not work stuff, like me and Joe will like play video games on 
together and yeah, like I talk to those guys like we have a bond that's like it's great that we have that so when we do go back on the road and when we're touring like usually everything's you know all good but you know if there's ever like an issue or something like that's like my first thing i want to address make sure everyone's the spirits are high all the time dude i you, you mentioned uh, settling and getting the right amount of money with the promoter i have to ask because i have some stories i could probably tell myself without mentioning any names but do you have any fun <laughs> settlement stories where you've had to like shake people down like you don't have to name names or venues or anything but like you ever had like an awkward i've had a couple really weird i'll, I'll go first I'll, I'll go first and tell you mine i remember yeah let's hear it i won't uh i won't name the venue or the people that i was with but like after an emo night had like you know we do like the emo night shit like here in the midwest <clears throat> and we travel all around and we had we're on a trip and i was going to settle you know and they're and they're like i know the people that like work the venue and shit and like they're friends and, like i would consider them friends but like i walked into their fucking office and they were just like sitting there just fucking snorting back some coke like right in front of me like here's your check bro i was like oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> I like triple checked everything and was like, okay, this is all good. Okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> you guys, uh, it's it's uh, it's, so like, it's still like that, I guess. I thought uh, it's a real, rock, some real rock and roll like, shit, I guess. Yeah. Man. I, I couldn't, I don't know. I feel like I drink too much. Like when we like have those things, I can't imagine going and doing a bunch of blow afterwards. It just sounds like sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen. <laughs> I don't have like any like that. Like, with, when I settle, like, I make all my settlement machines before the tour. Like, I have all my numbers in the set. I don't, like, make them day of. Like, before the tour, I have all my settlement sheets made. And then, like, I'm kind of plugging numbers into them as the day goes. Like, as soon as I get my catering from, like, that to reflect in the settlement, I go to my, like I was saying, I'm always just going back and forth. Like, I'm always like, I got to be doing something. So, like, I go to my settlement sheet in the, my office, and I'll, like, put the money in there. And so, like, I'm uh, watching to see, like, if we're hitting back end or if we're, like, what we're going to hit, you know, but... I don't think also like the agent that we've worked with the most is like super close with all of the uh, like promoters that we toured with forever. So like, I don't think they'd want to put a bad taste in his mouth to like potentially lose shows. So it's usually very straightforward. I yeah, get to the right. settlement room. I pull out, I'm like, this is the amount he has the check written. He's like, this is the amount. I'm like, Dude, and if you're lucky and if you're lucky that shit's paid before the show <laughs> oh yeah if, if there's a deposit like oh yeah already made you know like I, love that. I feel like those fun settling stories that we have mostly stem back to even before like our emo night shit when we were just settling like hardcore shows and shit like that's the, oh that's when that's, it was like you're getting oh. shook down for like 150 bucks because otherwise you won't get like to the next town oh, or whatever dude. like dude i remember yeah. this one time fuck the uh tommy you remember the rock and papillion right oh yeah dude okay so the world we knew played there once and they're like this metalcore like like new york long island high car you know, metalcore band or whatever and i remember uh god that some dickhead promoter in omaha like booked them and then like you know like the show didn't do like great you know but like he refused to pay them and like dude shit gets weird at hardcore shows when that shit goes down you know like oh yeah those like a lot of those people don't have anything to lose you know what i mean and like yeah. they don't they don't fucking care they're getting their money either way i remember i remember like they're walk, out of there that night i remember way. walking to the front and like one of like the guitarists of their band like yelled and like we all heard him like at the back of the building he was like i got him and, like we go around the corner and he's got like he's got him up against like the this brick wall with like a flashlight and he's like where's our fucking money <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and the uh, funniest part is that dude was probably shitting his pants as well. Oh, like, he was. You know, he, like, he opened he was up. He's like, I'll go to the ATM right guy. now. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> no, I don't mean the oh promoter. I mean the dude, like the fucking band guy was like, just like, I, I feel like a lot of those dudes are, are putting on the front as well. Some of them not. Like when fucking, I don't, again, want to name names, but. There was a certain band that I wouldn't fuck with. There was a few bands I wouldn't fuck with. But there's other ones <laughs> that, that we that we worked with back in the day, Tom. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess you're right. I was like, there's a <laughs> yeah. Few. I mean, we've, we've <laughs> talked about some of those stories on this podcast. Of, I mean, as if I would like. Sh- I don't think I've ever shorted a band. Like even like no, I definitely I, haven't done it the last ten like the last ten years. But like even when I was a kid, like booking like small time shows, I don't think I. I think I may have like not paid Trapped Under Ice like a full payment once because I literally just didn't have the money. I was like, I'll send it like first thing tomorrow. <laughs> They're like, yeah. okay, we've, you know. We've had that before because I was just thinking like settlements with like being like a tour manager, but like being in a band like hardcore and like metal bands. Like, oh, I remember one time I was on, I was playing bass with Detain and we were in Jacksonville and like I think the guarantee was like three hundred bucks or something, and they gave us like one hundred and fifty, and they were like, that's all we have. And I remember like will the guitar player just being like you're giving us our money and walking him to an atm <laughs> he's like, i don't have any money he's like well we're gonna go get the money and like yeah walk dude them. yeah make pull out the 150 the famous power move of walking them to the atm dude that's, <laughs> that is like that is a well-known power move to get your fucking money dude it's like we're going we're going to get it right now it's never it's never been done to me thank god i've never i've never put myself to like in the crosshairs of a situation like that thank god and i never will but like yeah dude i can't i can't imagine you know having that moment where it's like oh i'm getting walked to the atm right now this is kind of <laughs> not only this is embarrassing but this is kind of scary <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude fuck i have so many settlement stories i could i could probably tell another one dude i remember this one time i went to a show in iowa city and that band waking the cadaver do you guys remember that band oh, oh yeah yeah so i remember the world we knew was there that night too they played <laughs> oddly enough another fun another funny settlement story with them but like I remember this this fest that they played. It was like an all-day fest on like a fucking Tuesday in the summer. Like, of course, nobody in Iowa City is going to be out at this fucking fest. Like, there was maybe, I think, like 100 paid. And they had like like seven or eight touring bands on it. And like they paid Waking the Cadaver like a ton of money. And I remember like the promoter was kind of like a friend of mine. And like he was like, I called him when I got there. I was like, yo, I'm here. Where you at? He's like, I'm like five blocks away. You want to come You want to come talk to me? I'm freaking out. I, like went, I went and found him and he was like, yeah, dude, I don't have enough money to pay any of these bands. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, that's that's not good. And I remember, like, going back to the show and, like, some of the bands were like, dude, I think Waking the Cadaver is going to go fucking shake that kid down with a gun. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> ah, funny shit, man. I don't think he ever ended up paying. I think he split. I think he split town and never came back to Iowa City. I don't even remember what his Jeez. fucking name was either, but crazy shit, well, man. That's- a way to exit the industry, I suppose. Yeah. Dude, Burn yeah. all your bridges at once. I'm full of stories tonight. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, no. That I mean, that's what this podcast is for, is just our dumb stories that hopefully somebody wants to listen to. We have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, we are chock full of them. Um, dude, all right, so to- we're... Dude, Tommy, when I see you next week, I'm going uh, to walk you to the ATM. Bro, yeah, I'm gonna, pull out the money. Dude, I'm going to make you pull anywhere. out a ton of money. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a power move, all right? Don't question it. <laughs> I don't have money, you know. 
<laughs> we'd, be, we'd be going for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's you'd just be sad. You'd be like, oh, I'll put some money in there. <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, <laughs> so all right, well, we're we're pretty much through the whole day of a, a tour manager. We're we're we did the show. We settled. Did we talk about loadout? I, I don't remember really. That's part as, of the night. Yeah, as your uh, you know, you wear many hats. Typically, the I, I feel like we should mention this. Typically, the tour manager doesn't do all the the jobs that you're doing. You know, like in in bigger tours, obviously the tour manager is more focused on like those advancing things and like more the like logistics and all that. But like on a lot of tours now, I'm not going to say like smaller tours, but most tours you have to wear multiple multiple hats until you're lucky enough to get to like take exactly. them off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like we said, you did guitar tech work, all that, so you're obviously helping out more with the loadout than you, yeah. than you probably would as other tour managers. But, I mean, with us, everybody helps with the loadout. Like, even the drummer and the guitar player, like, everyone's hauling everything to the back of the trailer, like, getting in there. There's usually, like, there's always that one person on the tour, and this is you, Tommy, that has it figured down to a science. <laughs> it's like Tetris, like, loading up the trailer, and there's it is literally a science. Because I remember watching Grandson, when you guys would pack yours, and I would just be like, because there was some, there was, I forgot what it was, but we had to take some of your stuff one time. I don't know if you guys yeah. had, like, a stuff and there wasn't room. Dude, like, it was we were overweight oh like five thousand pounds yeah <laughs> i was gonna bring that up with the like hardcore thing like the the diy hardcore mentality i love finding people like that on tour like when you're on tour with them because i know you can go to them for anything and when we our bus driver was like you're five thousand pounds overweight and he didn't check the weight at the beginning of the tour he chose to do it like two weeks in so we found this out when we were just shit out of luck like there was no like sending stuff back it was like what the fuck are we supposed to do so we had to go to you and be like hey uh so you know how you guys are always done loading out before us do you mind if you just leave your trailer open and we just dump some cases in there at the end of the night you're like yeah totally bro like we'll figure it out and you know sure i don't think we we did it like once and i was like fuck this we're not doing that again because it fucked up my trailer pack as you were yeah it it throws it off because it's a science but there's always that one person on the tour that figures it out and it's never me i'm like i'm the one i'll bring everything you're like what do you need i'm like the oh i'll get you this but there, there's always that one person, and I need that person. To Tom, Tommy's that Tommy's that person for just about everything, dude. He's he's kind of a cra- he's a crafty kind of guy. Jack of all trades. Yeah, I played a lot of Tetris though. I had an iPod Classic that the only game on it was Tetris, and you like played it with the wheel, you know. Oh yeah, I remember that. I think that was what prepared me. I sat through like every class in high school, just like under my desk playing Tetris and listening to music, prepared me for touring well. Yeah, I guess that paid off, didn't it? Yeah, dude, I can look at a box and just see exactly where it's going to go. Like, just Probably, see it highlighting green and turning, and I'm like, bing. I bet you got more than that than, like, out of, like, a high school science class. Yeah, like, I don't remember anything That applies more than, like, high school science to me. <laughs> 100%. And, like, there was no room in that grand trail. I remember when you guys would, like, close it. It was, like, it's everything. A, it's a fucking back. miracle. <laughs> there was couldn't have fit a guitar case in there. I'm having flashbacks, man. That Yeah, that was a scary pack, like, it was a lot of heavy shit stacked. Like it, there was no space. That was. I hope to never have to do that again on a tour. But I'm sure whenever we have our next headliner, it'll look something like that again. Cause, just because, yeah, who yeah. knows what this year did to everything. Sorry, right, dude. But, just get a second bus. That's what we want to do. But like, dude, that's, fuck dude, the budget. That's you got, got, yeah, dude. It's budget. so much more. It's like double. I mean, you're doubling it, your fucking transportation costs. It's like. 
yeah, you're doubling a lot of things at that point. But yeah, it's uh yeah. Got a lot. I don't, I don't miss that load or like loading that trailer, but that was a really cool show for what it was. And yeah, and you guys like that's the thing. Like you did a whole set and you were teching and did the whole show, and then the show's over, and then like it took you guys an hour, if not more, to pack. Trailer. If we were lucky, yeah, an hour. Yeah. For us, we it lucky. took. Our trailer was like get the merch in there. And everything for us was just like one layer on the ground. It didn't stack. We didn't have like anything stackable. Everything. Dude, yeah. Was like, we didn't even if I remember right, you guys had like a weight bench in your trailer, didn't you? Oh yeah, we had a bench. Yeah, you had like a bench and like fucking skateboards. I was like, what? like, do you guys have room in your trailer? And you're like, let's look. And you like flop the door down. I was like, where's your gear? Like, you know, <laughs> it was so like funny. a weight room, dude. It was awesome. Dude, that's oh, that's man. a that's a total hardcore flex too, because so many hardcore bands. Do you remember the commons like when we would have people <laughs> yeah, come dude. through? Like, dude, I remember Bailey from Gravemaker and like the uh the lead singer of Gravemaker like came in and did like a full workout like in the venue before I was like, damn dude, that guy's fucking ripped. <laughs> yeah. Just like they would just like break out some weights and just have like a full on rep sesh on the side. Dude, yeah. Like, and uh, who else did that? Rick from This Is Hell, he would do that literally every summer he came through. God, uh, I yeah, love Rick. Dude. It would always, we, uh, always in my mind. When we went out with Fallout Boy, they had like obviously semis for all their stuff, but the drummer had like a whole CrossFit thing that they would set up from like back, not like backstage, but like outside by like where all the semis were. And like they would set it up for him like every day. And you'd have like all the weights and the, they had everything set up. And like some days he wouldn't even use it, but they still set it up for him every single day. Dude, I had to do that on a load in once. Like, doing the local i don't know if you've ever done local overhire stuff like for the unions like setting up artists gyms that they don't use is like <laughs> the most like degree I, I don't want to say degrading but like you know like it's just like <laughs> why am i doing this but at the same time you're getting paid really well so it doesn't really Yo, matter name drop it who'd you make a court for that who didn't use it ah oh, god dude i don't even know was it? it a I'm assuming tour. it was. A, yeah, I was gonna say. It's, assuming it was probably a pretty large artist. I think it was like it might have been that Travis Scott show or something that went to CenturyLink. There was so much like random backstage stuff set up for that that I think they used like half of it. Like, it was one of like yeah, crazy of, rider too. Yeah, like dude, like fucking like five a, runners we've got for a, one. We've got a ten thousand dollar catering budget. Like when I see shit like that, I'm like on advance. Sometimes I'm just like, oh my but god. But they're also feeding two hundred people. Like, yeah, you know, no, for real, more. for real. Like, I mean, you know, it totally, like, it totally makes sense. It's just like, holy fuck. Yo, yeah. how, you said you did a tour of Fallout Boy with nothing nowhere, correct? Yeah. Well, it was it wasn't really a tour. It was like, it was like a I think shows. Did like five or six shows. Were they yeah. were they arena or amphitheater? It was it was like all the basketball stadiums. Okay, so how immaculate was the catering on that? <laughs> oh my god, it was insane. It was like nothing because especially when we go on tour and we see our catering budget, no one cares about the rider with us at least. Everyone's like, let's get bigger buyouts. So usually yeah, we go by right. the bare minimum. We're like three cases of water, some chips, maybe like some little things. You know, if it's like a two hundred fifty, we'll like try and do like two. We'll do like. 50 bucks just so that we, everyone else has money to like actually go get food that they want instead yeah, of like the right. catering thing. But oh, yeah, like the Fallout Boy was insane. It was different every day. They had like one day that it was like it was game night and it was like burgers and hot dogs and they had dessert and all this. And I'm like walking Fuck. in there, like, this like, is whoa. unbelievable. Oh, that's so great. You could just like go, with, like, there was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner that was all like that they fed you. And then there was also like snacks there all the time that they would just 
constantly be like fixing up and like a whole cooking crew and it's just like they hire they hire like a local chef team for the day god dude that's i think i think fucking dream team that they had was on the tour oh dope okay yeah Yeah, that makes yeah usually on that that level like yeah yeah it was like a traveling yeah chef crew that came and made the meals they had like their own bus kind of like how merch had its own bus that's crazy yeah dude like insane the like wait the people who ran merch like had their own bus yeah like all the merch because i mean at those arenas you know you got like yeah 10 I mean, little merch stations you have merch stations all over yeah, right. you have people working on them but most of the time it's like venue sells for stuff that big sure. so like the yeah. merch people are just like making sure they have what they need and going back and forth and back and forth yeah, yeah. Good point i never think about it's 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 crazy to think about the logistics on like a like a you know like on a 1200 cap like room or something like that for me but like i can't imagine like you know organizing like <laughs> and like yeah getting everything yeah. together for like arena shows like i'd love to one day you know like definitely that would be like, like that would be like there's like four tour managers there's people yeah. like there was like a live nation rep that was yeah. on the tour like, we didn't even have to settle like you know it was just automatic but like, he had his own office there was like the like the explosives like setting up all the fuses and stuff yeah, like yeah. his own office like and like our the green rooms were the uh the locker rooms for like the nba yeah. we had these <laughs> massive green rooms I feel like jordan game seven rolling out in that bitch be like what like never feeling better <laughs> walking out the tunnel man like yeah <laughs> that's so sick uh, well we i guess we haven't had an artist manager on the show either so i mean let's talk a little a uh, little bit of artist management you say you do like day-to-day work for nothing nowhere um, you know, and a couple other bands, just kind of explain maybe to the audience, you know, for those of the, for those of you don't, who are listening, who don't know, um, kind of give them like a, a general idea of what like a day-to-day manager does. So you're like the annoying one. So the manager doesn't have to be annoying. You're the one that's like, you got this interview in 20 minutes. Are you ready? You got this interview in 10 minutes. Like text me back. Tell me you're going to be on this interview. You're the one that's like, you got an interview request. You're the one that texts them and be like, Hey, can you do this on Thursday? You're the one that makes sure like all of that happens. Like you make all the tour budgets. Like the manager is the, the big mind that like overlooks everything. And then I'm doing all the little work. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously your experience as a manager isn't probably, or day-to-day manager isn't probably typical due to the pandemic. Were there obstacles you didn't expect? Like, to face when you took your job that you've had to face throughout this past year? I mean, when I first started with COVID, it was like so slow, you know, cause I started, I can't remember when exactly I started. It might've been on the grants grand center was 2019, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like the end October of 2019. So it like went right into COVID was that March, right? Yeah. That's like yeah. when I started, like, I remember I was on the grand center when I had the offer from a bunch to be a day-to-day manager and it really didn't start to kick into overdrive to where like I would be busy because now it's like I wake up at nine and I'm busy till five Monday through Friday every single day. And it really didn't kick into that until like, I don't know, maybe like May, like those first couple months, like March when I got back in that tour, it was just like dead because everyone was like, what are we doing? What's going to happen? Like, Is touring going to happen? What's going on? Yeah. Do you have much like play in like the engagement with the fans or any of that? Or is all that kind of like big? big picture stuff and you're more just like the you know like you said like kind of scheduling wise making sure he's at the places he needs to be like as far as like 
coming up with like ideas to incorporate. Yeah, I was just curious if you if you like had any part in like how you guys have stayed engaged with the fans over like the pandemic or any like anything like that. Yeah, I mean, like nothing nowhere did like that live stream, and like you know we all came with the with the ideas. Like I work with Joe on like the merch designs and like all that stuff. Also, the other day to day thing is like if he can't post something on his Twitter for like a release, like I'm the one all the social media, like I'm logged into all of my, all of my artists, like Instagrams, TikToks, if I got to post something and go in and do it and like grab copy from them. So you guys had a pretty interesting venture doing syrup. Like, wasn't that through the nothing nowhere name or was that just kind of like Joe messing around on the side? He makes his own maple syrup. Like the goal one day is to do something with it. Like we hope to, you know, do that. But like, it's a whole thing with like, is it, you got to like get FDA approved, all this stuff. We did a. It's not, an, it's not an easy process. <laughs> like, yeah, we did a pretty, pretty which was wild. Dude, that yeah. I like Fuck was yeah. the we, I, that was like a huge like thing for me it was like I reached out to this company in Vermont called Chaos Kombucha. It was like Joe's favorite kombucha, and like worked with him for months. This guy Andres that ran it, and we like made Nightmare Fuel, the Nothing Nowhere kombucha oh. that we like sent out to like all the like DSPs and the labels, and we sent it out to like. I forgot how many of his fans it was, but it was like his top fans that had spent the most in his merch store. Like, so we sent it to them too, but like we had to sort like all the packaging, like the flavor, like how it was going to get shipped. And like, it was a liquid. So like we had to do all these, it was like a huge process. Dude, it's, it's so much easier to just like, instead of doing it on your own, just like collabing with like someone who has like the infrastructure in place. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, everything is, anything is possible when you collab with other people, but like doing your own thing is, it's a, it's an own beast of its own. You know, like you talk about getting like the sort of like FDA approved, like, yeah, you got to go through all those steps and it's really, it's, it's a lot, dude. If you, if you've never done it before, it's like. You know. Fuck that dude. Bootleg syrup. <laughs> just, just we're in the prohibition. Of, we're in the prohibition of maple syrup years here. We're gonna start, you know, just slinging it under the table. Just out here tapping trees, baby. <laughs> we'll do a barrel of it and just put it by the merch table at the Nothing Nowhere shows and just like grab a cup and just. Like, oh here. my god, dude! I would be all the fuck over that. I don't know if you know this about me, Mike. I used to work ah, for. I was getting ready to say it. Man. No, let me yeah. say it. Let me say it. Let me say it. Tommy used to work for the Pancake Man when he was a kid, and he would flip pancakes for like all of these huge events. And they had like this big fucking like stove. They would cook it on. They would take it from like school to school and do all these fundraisers. And Tommy yeah. was getting paid under the table the entire time. It sounded amazing. <laughs> always wanted. Was the always wanted my... that job untaxed career of just random you like any of the crazy pancakes like the ones that people like do the crazy designs and they flip it and it's like sonic no, the you're like, nothing oh, like that it was a standard like five inch fucking silver dollar pancake but they were one the best pancakes you probably ever had because i'm pretty <laughs> sure he put cake batter in it was his secret not to sell out the pancake man but he never would tell me his fucking secret recipe they but, would never do anything yeah. cool with him besides throw him at you <laughs> yeah he would like toss him like yeah. across the fucking like school like gymnasium or whatever multi-purpose room we were in and like, yo you still yeah, got that we, you we still got that pancake man hat yeah, I can't wear it because it looks a lot like another hat that's popular now. But, oh, the uh, maga—he looks like a maga hat. It's a red <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, yeah you might ruin that. Yeah, you might have to retire that one, bro. I did it a long time ago, bro. I went to a bonfire and somebody's like, "Oh, I thought you were wearing." It. Oh like, my god! <laughs> like, oh, yeah. never wore it again. In the fire, yeah. <laughs> Literally, just well, it hangs on my wall. A good reminder of a time. Oh, uh, dude, I retired that hat. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, one day I hope to try some of the Nothing Nowhere syrup and put it on some pancakes. Next tour we're on together. Just we'll bring figure it out. It out. I'll, I'll make the pancakes. You guys bring the syrup. 
it'll be a fucking grand old breakfast. Dude, I've got <laughs> some, I've got some bisquick like sitting here in my kitchen. I'm really tempted to make pancakes. Get after the this fuck now. out of here with that. So, That's not even worth what? it. What? You don't like bisquick? What's wrong with bisquick? <laughs> that ain't the secret stuff. Oh, everything's good. wrong with bisquick. No, it's it's got to be from scratch, bro. It's... I mean, yeah, and you're not wrong. I'm a hungry jack man if I have to do it from a box. Ugh. 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 Fuck off. What? <laughs> right. an, we got weirdly Jemima Jemima's here. pretty good too. I don't I don't know if they... Oh yeah. Dude. Oh bro, Anjamima's the bomb. Can't go wrong. I like their syrup. Like I like Hungry Jack for the the mix and then Anjamima for the the syrup. Cross branding, mm-hmm. that's kinda dangerous, bro. <laughs> no, I'm controversial like that. All right, let's let's get off of pancakes. Um, all right, man. We, I think this has been a pretty good episode. I don't know. Like, is that how long have we even def- been talking? Like an hour. Yeah, it definitely made me hungry. Yeah, it's been for about sure. an hour. Nice. Yeah, it, it's as always. Austin's hungry. It's it seems like we're wrapping up to the end. We always finish on some quick hitters, so uh, we'll run through these. Um, you know, just keep your answers short if you want to. <laughs> of course. Ramble. What's the first oh, question? Yeah. What's, what's the first? What's question? the first question here? Favorite Detroit eats or favorite LA eats? <laughs> yeah, you, what's what's your favorite eats? Detroit Jets pizza, the goat, the best. What pizza? Jets pizza in Jets Detroit. Pizza. Jets okay. pizza, dude. Honestly, I've never been to Detroit. It's like it's no. don't. Great, <laughs> yeah, greatest place on earth. I if I didn't have to be here for working, I would still be in Detroit, and okay. I plan to move back one day. Like I love Detroit. That's where all my teams are at. That's where all my family and friends. That's it, dude. Yeah, all I can I'm, think I'm about just... when I hear Detroit is that shirt that um, is it Philip Seymour Hoffman wears in Almost Famous that says Detroit sucks. Uh-huh. I want that shirt so bad. <laughs> For oh, every time we go to Detroit, that birthday, the grandson tour, I'd be like, I'm not talking to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah dude, I, I Detroit, like you might get one. your fucking ass beat, dude. Like, if people people <laughs> go hard for their city, bro. You know, like people. Oh, wear that. It. Wear that in St. Louis, dude. I'll cut you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> dude, what right, about what so. about favorite LA eats? I always love that question because we've had a ton of people from LA on the podcast, and they always have like a different answer. So lay it on us. I mean, it's, it's hard because I haven't really got to go out anywhere. Like, I just get, like, because I live in Pasadena. Yeah, I used to, to live in Glendale, oh, okay. but then I moved to Pasadena yeah. a little bit out of the city so yep. I could, like, rent not as much and I get a little more space. Right. So, like, I mean, there's this spot by us called The Stand that we really like. I don't know if that's, like, a thing. I'm sure, Like, people that are from L.A. are going to be like, oh, this Bro, is I was going to say, Pasadena, that little, there's, like, a breakfast spot there that's bomb. David lives in Pasadena, so, like, he lives right around the corner from that little, like, downtown oh, main yeah. street i pass it all the way on the way to the gym and i can't think of the name of it yeah i can't either i've been there a few times whenever i stay in his little airbnb i, I go down there for breakfast every every morning yeah what was that one place uh fucking veggie grill yo i know that's like super like la to say and it's not even really like that like it's i don't even know if it's like hip because it's like a chain but like yo that place i was thinking about that place yesterday that place is so good it's the first thing I'm gonna do when I get back to LA is go to Veggie Grill. Fuck with it. There's a bunch on the West Coast. I think there's. I think Joe, because Joe's vegan. He. We went to one in like Seattle once. Oh, dope. Yeah. So it is a chain. Dude, that's the only yeah. place I guess I've there's been where they've had a Veggie Grill. I love chains. I'm a huge like. I was you like, are. Oh, dude, I forgot about the Apple going to the bees. Oh, you fucking oh. guys. The bees. God I was really it. talking to my boss today about like. She called Red Lobster fast food. I was like, no. Like, I wear a suit to Red Lobster. That is, is, like, in the Midwest, Red Lobster is luxurious. That's a nice spot. But, I mean, I love, like, 
trash food. I love fast food. I love McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell. I yeah, dude, it. I'm kind of a trash bag too, like that. Like, yeah. I, I get McDonald's like way too often. Like, it's kind of like embarrassing. I'm, I'm like ashamed to admit it, but like, I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking to the two big dudes. These <laughs> all the time from Little Caesars. When I moved out here and I saw there was Little Caesars out here, I was so stoked. Yeah, dude, dirty C's. Did I love it. I did. That's I did favorite. Little Caesars like a lot through college, and I kind of like burned myself out on it. I can't do it. It's it. They talk about fucking heartburn. Like I'm getting old. Like <laughs> it shit matters these days. I keep the thumbs close, but God damn, is it good, dude? Mike, how how old are you? I'm 28. Okay, so you're our age. Okay, cool. I didn't know if you were. I didn't know if you were older and younger than us. But yeah, I I don't know why it took me that long into the podcast to ask you that. But all right, well, how about how about how about how about this question? Current music you're listening to, dude? I'm like, I don't really listen to new stuff. I'm like an old head. I listen to like. Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, Sepultura, like Cannibal Corpse. Like I guess I'm listening to the new Cannibal Corpse, Dying Fetus, like Town. Like I just listen to like the same stuff. It's really hard for me to like get into newer stuff. Every so often something will pop up that I really like, but like I always just end up going back to like the same old records that I like grew up listening to. Yeah. What name some of your name like your top three favorite bands like you grew up listening to then? How about that? Um, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. My favorite band of all time is the Beatles. My dad like raped yeah. me on them. That was like people. I think, sh- people shit on the Beatles too much, man. Oh, they suck. People just don't get it. Um, They're I did like amazing. my dad was a Beatles suit. Like we had like a Beatles room at our first. Like he's yeah, a he has yeah. like a shrine in his basement. Like I'm pretty sure I could say I knew all four Beatles before I could walk. Like I could say their names. Yeah, for um, sure. And then probably Van Halen. Huge like especially living in Pasadena now. Like yeah. Eddie Van Halen's high school is like right there, and yeah. also like. Eddie Van Halen, like when he passed away last year, like I think that's the only time I've ever cried for a celebrity death. Like he was such a huge inf- like yeah. huge influence on me. Um, and then either like Queen or Pink Floyd. Nice, dude. All right, I fuck with it. Dude, yeah. none of those are what I thought you were gonna say at all. Like, dude, I mean a little bit, but like you know, Slayer, Megadeth, Metallica, like all sure. those bands that yeah. I said earlier. Like I love all those bands, but like. My roots, like my base, is like those. Like Same, I dude. love it. Led Zeppelin. Dude, like, I oh. I can I can relate with the uh, with the Beatles thing. I remember the first cassette I ever got was like a Beatles like it was like a, a mixtape that my dad made of like the Beatles like greatest hits, and I like yeah, I dude. played that shit until it was like completely like worn out. <laughs> so I I'm I'm with you on the Beatles train. They get too much fucking. They, dude, the new people hate on them because it's like cool to hate on and those yeah. people. Like, yeah, so I'll never get also, like why you think you look cool to like hate on a band it's the same people that like talk shit about megadeth they're like oh like this band it's like like, shut up like the only the only music that i really shit on is like country music it's like the only thing that i don't really oh i love i i love select i I like select country artists you know what i mean like i like john denver i think john denver's good i think conway twitty is hilarious but i also think he's like really like his music is like actually pretty fucking good Yeah. It's very sele- yeah. I'm very selective with that. But how about this uh bucket list band that you need to see live? You could throw out a couple, man. Oh man. Bucket list band that I need to see live. Can it be like a bit like everyone's Absolutely. still Absolutely. Dude, it can be whatever you want. It can be I mean if I could have seen Slayer with Jeff, that would have been sick. But like yeah. I saw Sabbath. I saw Van <laughs> Eddie Van Halen was my first concert ever. My dad took him took me to see him at Joe Lewis Arena when I was in like it was like 2001 or something. Yeah. I was a child. Set the and, bar pretty high there for a show there, Dad. Yeah, Good for Lord. the first show. Um, 
man, that is so hard. Honestly, like if I could go back and see any band live, it'd probably be Queen with Freddie Mercury. Fuck oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. Same, honestly. Like I mean, greatest front man of all time. Him, that or Dio. It'd be one of those two. Or the Beatles original lineup. Oh, but I, mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to see that just because hearing the like audio from those days and like hearing about how terrible it sounded, like so many bands from back then, like I just heard like Led Zeppelin, like never played like TV performances. Cause they had one bad one. There's like never again. Cause we can't control the audio. Like, you know, yeah. shit like that. It's just like back then it's like, it would have been cool to experience it. But I'm also like, as somebody who appreciates really good audio, it's like now is like the pinnacle of like, you go to a live concert and it sounds the best it's ever sounded. But like then was like just crazy mayhem. Like yeah, it would have been interesting to witness. Yo, Queen Live Aid was like, one oh. of the, uh, oh. dude, it's like it's so un- it's unbeatable. It's like the greatest. He's the greatest yeah. man of all time. Ugh. Like you just can't. You, you know, there's nothing like it. If I then that's the show, especially if I could go back and see that. Like, yeah, okay. I would, yeah. dude, I think my bucket list band changes like all the time. Like currently, like the band that I would really, really want to see again. Like I know they're probably never gonna play again is like Balance and Composure. Like their ten year for uh, separation was out this last week, and like I looked at it, it was like God. I'm never, uh, I'm never gonna see this band again. Seeing <laughs> yeah. all those, all, all these bands that we grew up listening on, and you see these like ten year anniversaries, you're just like, God, old, like, oh my God, I remember when it came out. You Dude, know? yeah, yeah, I Dude. felt, I had like this moment of like shock this week. I was like, fuck, that was ten years ago. I remember, I remember listening to that record on like, like a road trip with my parents, like when I was like almost a, like a junior in college. Like it's so crazy to think that's been ten. Like, I I have like these ten year moments now that I've been in like the music scene for like fifteen years now. Like just like have these moments like holy shit, I'm getting fucking old, dude. <laughs> yeah. Especially like when things yeah. come back this next year, it's gonna be like even more crazy because I haven't really thought about a lot of that stuff in a long time. It's gonna. I feel like it's gonna seem so much further away. Like after this yeah. is all over. Oh, hundred percent. All right, I've been waiting for a fellow tech to ask this question. Favorite l- venue loading dock. It's a random one. Venue loading dock. I loved the old masquerade when it had like, do you remember the old masquerade with the yeah. thing that like rose up? That was insane. Tommy, did you, you ever did you ever do masquerade before it closed? Yeah, I gotta do both iterations. Who'd you the do? new one's awesome too. I mean yeah, that yeah, loading new one's great. They got so many helpers and stuff, although it is like a mile if, push. If you're in like hell. I think it's hell. The one, or yeah. heaven, hell, and then there's one more. I don't remember. Purgatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the way back there. I think it's purgatory, like the 300 yeah. cap. Yeah, like if you that one, you're like, I left my lammy in the van. You're like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Your, you're hiking. You're gone for a minute. Yeah, dude. That's the venue you always wish you had, like a scooter or a skateboard or something to like. Absolutely. Just scoot through. Masquerade was like my first, like venue I ever like did like the first date of like the first tour I ever did like was at masquerade. I love the old masquerade. That place was fucking crazy. I was, any, any loading dock that doesn't have any, any venue that you don't have to go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No stairs, is uh, which just is gold for none. us. Yeah. yeah. Cause it always seems like the venues that there are, it's like, there's an elevator, but it's broke. It's like, of course it's like the, the ice cream machine at McDonald's. It's always broke. The, the <laughs> elevator, the venue's always broke. And you always got to take the stairs. Uh, that's when yes. you, that's when you go and call like the elevator company on your own. You're like, yo, can you get out here real quick before the end of the day? Like, I don't want to, I just don't want to charge that again. bill. You can, you can charge the building. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. One personal goal you're trying to achieve by the end of 2021. Damn, that's a, that's a personal question. I love it, Tom. Yeah. Get, mm. get deep here at the end. 
Yeah, let's just end on that deep note. I really want to start getting into like ghostwriting stuff because like I still play guitar all the time and like living out here like I still you know we have so many artists and stuff out here like I really want to get into like writing like guitar licks and loops that are just like you know go into the studio with somebody and just like work with them and not like be the face of it but just kind of like in the back like I really want to get into that and then like obviously it'd be sick to do like a late never ending game run towards the end of the year fuck yeah yeah, dude dude Tommy hopefully we see that Tommy, what about you? What 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 goal are you trying to achieve by the end of the year? I'm gonna ask you that. How about I'm trying flip to flip it on you sooner, but finish airstream is the <laughs> current goal. I have my sights <laughs> set on. Yeah. I mean, like your stories, it's like still going. Dude, I deleted Instagram and stuff off my phone actually. So if you see some social media silence from me, it's because I needed a break and deleted it all. So um, I could, I would, but I got. I I like you know I shouldn't say shouldn't do it but like yeah I just was like I needed a small break from this before I need to use it again so I'm very like I don't post on Twitter like ever (laughs) I never post I post on Instagram maybe like once a year like I don't I'm not very vocal on the internet I'm just like I can't I'm I'm more of a more of a a Twitter guy myself I like Twitter a lot Tommy, Tommy, you're definitely to. an Instagram guy. Like I is, used to be a little Twitter dude, and then I yeah got rid of it. And Twitter's got some memes, man. Twitter's like I go there to like laugh, find some yeah. video. Yeah, well, I used to be like rants about my roommates was my Twitter for years. And then I, <laughs> I yeah, it. it was. It was kind of yeah. It was kind of it was very vulgar. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of where I let out all angry, angry Tom on Twitter. I I wonder if that I wonder if that account is still around. Did you delete it? It is. I made it <laughs> private. But I, oh, dude, they're so funny. It's so uh, funny to go back and look through that because it's like a portal to like, you know, just fucking adolescent Tommy's brain, just <laughs> rapid firing tweets about my roommates or like just school or whatever. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Funny times. Funny times. I wish I could get them all printed out. Like you can get like sections of it printed out, but nobody will print out the whole thing. I just want like a Bible of like, Twitter and then I'll delete it. Yeah, so I think they should. Funny. Yeah, you should just be able to make it into a book. But I mean, I yeah. have like twenty nine thousand tweets, so I can't imagine like so, how, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like how many like like if it was a, a book, pages. it'd be like like twelve hundred pages or something. No, just do it on really thin paper, cram them all in there, small text. Seems like a, seems like a big waste of paper. I don't need that. Well, <laughs> uh, Mike, thanks for joining us tonight, man. It was really fun talking to you. Yeah, and thank you so much. More for about you, and yeah, dude, absolutely. Podcast ever. It was great. It was great chatting with you guys, and really hope to see you. You know, this fall, dude. Yeah, fuck man. yeah, man. Same I'm here, so likewise. ready to. I'm ready to get out there and fucking hug my friends, man. Mike, I don't even know you that well, but if you, if you come, man, I'll give you a hug. Like it'll be. Oh, I'm I'm, getting, I'm dapping you up and giving you a hug. Dude, next, hell yeah, you know, fucking. Nothing know we're showing. We're there. Dude, yeah, maybe. Yeah, dude. Maybe we'll get you guys in a better venue next time you come around. It'll be. We'll get you in a <laughs> better venue. Well, we'll level it up. definitely level won't be that up. one. So yeah, it can't be that one. Look out, lounge. It can't be that one. Yeah, rest man, in peace. We'll, we'll take you to a bees. We'll catch up. But until then, man, thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you so much. Dude, absolutely. And if you guys are looking for us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at where. Uh, God, dude, I don't even remember what it is. You just got to fill this in. I'll put the ending thing. You on got there. the ending thing on it. Okay. Yeah, we'll just slap it on there. <laughs> and that's our show. If you like what you heard on this episode and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe to our pages. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can also find us on social media too at Left Off Pod on Twitter. 
and just simply search our name on Facebook or Instagram, the Where We Left Off podcast. See you next time.